for me, we must be self-actualized and because it is the culmination of our life. It is what we are here presented on this earth to be. It is, we are to be optimized. We are to be fulfilled. We are to be all that we dream to be because if we can dream it, if we are given the ability to dream it, we must achieve the ability to receive it. What does a life of service look like? And why is it so important to stay aligned to the core values that drive our thoughts, words, and actions? On the show today, we're going to explore these themes, as well as the importance of creating a better world through education with Pencils of Promise Chief Executive Officer, Kylie Scales. Your Life Podcast with host Andy Vasily. Amazingly, the Pencils of Promise organization started with a $25 donation. The journey started with its founder, Adam Braun, backpacking around India. And while out on the streets, one day he asked a young Indian boy, What do you want the most in the world? The boy's response was so simple, yet also very profound. And what he replied with was a pencil. As Adam reached into his backpack and handed the boy a pencil, he watched as a wave of possibility washed over the young child. Adam, in that moment, saw the profound power and promise brought through a gesture as simple as giving a pencil to just one child. And over the next five years, he backpacked through more than 50 countries, handing out thousands of pencils across six continents. It really is an amazing journey. And in 2008, Adam created Pencils of Promise, an award-winning organization that has built more than 500 schools around the world, serving more than 100 and 25,000 students. And on today's show, I had the wonderful opportunity to interview the inspiring Kylie Scales, the CEO of Pencils of Promise. Every organization that strives to do great things in the world needs a strongly empathetic, compassionate, and caring leader who is deeply committed to creating lasting change. Kylie Scales has embodied these attributes from early in her life. She has been devoted to a life of service for years and firmly believes that every human being was born free. But we know for many people there are barriers to this freedom. Kylie believes there are processes that allow people to either have freedom of action and decisions or not to have freedom over their actions and decisions. And this is what she has devoted her life to figuring out. So a bit more about Kylie now. She has raised over $100 million and led domestic and international NGOs to address some of the world's most progressive social and political issues. Most notably, she served as founding national director of Mentor USA and global coordinator of Mentor International, a drug abuse prevention organization led by Her Majesty Queen Sylvia of Sweden. 
working in close conjunction with HMQ Sylvia and United Nations leadership. From 2017 to 2020, Kylie served as the first managing director of Black Lives Matter Global Network. And in this role, she was responsible for building infrastructure across the global organization. She launched the Arts and Culture platform and created the Black Lives Matters What Matters 2020, a civic engagement campaign targeted towards Black millennial and Gen X voters at risk of disenfranchisement. She also served as the executive producer of the viral video Rest in Power Beautiful, which aired less than 48 hours after the murder of George Floyd. It was seen over 10 million times on social media, BET, CBS, and in Times Square and the Staples Center. In June of 2021, she was chosen by Adam Braun to serve as the CEO of Pencils of Promise. Today's conversation was deeply insightful, and I hope you find a lot of takeaway value in Kylie's message. I've included links to Pencils of Promise in the show notes, as well where you can find Kylie on social media. I also encourage you to head on over to Pencils of Promise to check out their amazing work. You can find them easily online. If you are an educational leader or teacher looking to be more involved, there are lots of ways to connect with Kylie and the organization and to offer your time. As well, please consider a donation to their cause. Thanks for listening, and with that, let's jump right into my discussion with the inspiring Kylie Scales. Okay, Kylie, it's fantastic to have you uh, on the show, and I appreciate your time. And I was just talking about living in, being from Canada, but living in the Middle East and currently being in Scotland and trying to get the timing right. And and we managed to get the timing right. And here you are. So, you know, in advance to our conversation today, I really want to thank you for your time and energy. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So to set some context for the listeners, can you tell us where you're from and the work that you now do? Yes. Um, I'm originally from uh, New York, uh, born and raised. I've been here for the majority of my life. Um, and my work has, uh, th- since the beginning, um, been working with organizations to help um, transform the world in many different ways, including health, education, um, environment, uh, economic justice, uh, with a through way of equity. And right now, I am the CEO of Pencils of Promise, which is an uh, education organization uh, where we remove the barriers to education for primary students in many areas of the world, including Ghana, Guatemala, and Laos. Yeah, and we're going to really double-click on that and unpack that more in the episode. But I just want to do an early flyover, just a flyover of early life. And can you tell us where you grew up? Uh, I guess you said New York, but... Yeah. Um, can you talk about some of the early strengths that you feel you developed that went on to serve you so well in the work that you now do for the world? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I grew up in Queens um, and anyone who grows up in that part of the 
planet knows. Um, in New York and in Queens, it is a very interesting environment of different types of people from all over the world, many second generation, many first generation. Um, and so people in, in our community um, often are working class um, from different backgrounds, uh, middle class, uh, which my family was. And uh, we have our unique challenges and struggles in order to carve our pathway in life. Um, and I learned early on, I had parents who um, were very connected to their community. My father and mother both worked in the health profession, um, but they really instilled in me this knowledge that I was empowered to change my community and my environment and to do whatever it was that I needed to do, not only to survive myself, but to make sure that everyone in my community um, was okay. And people who were less fortunate than me, or I hate that phrase, but people who were born differently than I was and had different opportunities than I was um, and navigated barriers differently than I was able to, that I um, took um, took the time to ensure that it, it, it really impacts all of us, that, you know, one of us, if it's one of us, it's all of us. It if it affects mm-hmm. one of us, it affects all of us. So I grew up thinking and, and believing and contributing very much to my community and volunteering and have very early memories of um, working in all types of different environments, like volunteering for children who are in foster care and things like that, Um, going with both my parents to work and working with the the, um, aging population, just all types of things um, in my community. And it really instilled in me this feeling of connectivity to all people, um, this feeling of responsibility to show my gratitude for the way that I was able to, again, navigate barriers and and, and build a, a, a pathway for myself so that I was able to thrive and so that really translated very quickly um, into this career, even though I, I'm a, a trained performer, like that's my training, <laughs> I'm a singer. But, you know, day job um, uh, is this real opportunity to ensure that my global community, once I realize that I can have an impact in my neighborhood, then I realize I could have an, an impact in my um, state and city. Then I realize I could have an impact in my country. And then I realize I can have an impact in my world. And so that really translated into everything that I ended up doing and will continue to do throughout the course of my life and my career, just being able to stay connected to our global community to so help support the most marginalized among us, to understand the way our society is, is built, the way the reasons why um, there are obstacles for some of us, but not all of us, um, and to do everything that I can and my power to um, rally allies and to ensure that we all have an equal opportunity to thrive because that is our birthright. Do you think that was a crystal clear purpose? Was that there early on for you in high school? Like you knew for sure this is what you wanted to do or was it a slow evolution of of being pushed on that path? I think it was a, a a little bit of both. So like I said, I'm a creative. So, you know, in my early days in high school and things like that, I, I knew that I was going to to do something. I knew that I was going to impact somehow. I was always very connected to myself and to my gifts and to my talents. And I was always cultivated and curated that way. Um, and I was very aware that I was cultivated and curated that way. And I was always grateful um, for these opportunities to explore my gifts and my talents and my dreams. And I always had big ones. Um, 
And at first, like I said, I, I'm a creative. So I thought I, my life was going to be this creative route. And But the way I thought about that was I thought about it as an opportunity to share something that I had um, with the world and make them feel better and make them happy and, and, and just uh, change the outcomes for people on a day-to-day basis through a creative outlet. Um, and, I, and so it was, it, it was always my sensibility to be able to support other people and to be able to share whatever gifts and talents I was blessed with, with others. Um, but the pathway, the exact pathway to that um, became clearer as I saw more of the world, as I experienced more things, as I met new people and um, had the, and had different opportunities and saw what impact really meant and saw that I, as an individual, could really make a difference in the world. And once I realized that also early on, not in high school, more like in my early 20s, um, once I realized that it became I became committed to that for life. And it was just something that I knew. Then I realized I, I, I do recall knowing my path early on. I think I was probably 20 years old when I really discovered it. And when I did, I was just like, I'm so lucky <laughs> to have discovered this or because now I have, you know, hopefully so many years to be able to, to do this, to be able to deliver this work. So it was a sensibility, but the, the actualizing that took, took a bit more time. What core values do you think lie behind that journey? So you've told us your journey. Now, if we go back to the, the evidence and research around, finding our purpose, it's often staying aligned in our thoughts, our actions, and our words to our core values. So you've told us your journey, but if we were to kind of look behind the curtain, pull the curtain back, what core values, what two or three core values do you think were front and center in your life? Yeah. Um, I think my number one core value would be connectivity. Mm -hmm. Um, intrinsic connectivity between humankind. Um, So I feel that we are all very deeply connected, that we all um, are a part of, of the the human, of humanity, and that we all have a responsibility towards one another as connected individuals. I hear some empathy there too, (laughs) the core value of empathy, right? I've heard that. Yes. 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 There's, it's, it's hard for me to, speak in that way because I'm always so focused on yeah, yeah. Um, others and 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 which brings me to my second core value which is service so for me I'm a I'm a service leader I'm a service oriented person I believe I was put I believe we all but me in particular was put on this earth in order to serve others because I know I'm aware of the privileges even that I have as a person born in a Western country. Um, And I understand that there is a long way to go, but for all of us, uh, and there's a long way to go for individual privileges and individual um, amplification of our own selves. But I also know that we all have a responsibility um, to serve each other because we're all here together. And then let's see. So we said empathy, there's service. And I also think there's, I have this deep, I guess, feeling of responsibility, I, I, I think, to everything, to what I've been given, to what others have been given, and deep respect for uh, my fellow 
brothers and sisters. I don't, I don't consider us separate. As I said earlier, I consider us connected Mm -hmm. and and equal and that responsibility translate into fighting for equality. I believe that we are all born equal. We are all born free. We are all to be respected. And so I feel responsible to really respect everyone and to ensure that um, we achieve our birthright and that we achieve um, self-actualization. So many people are not able to label their own core values. They, they kind of know what they believe in, but they don't really, they can't label. And you're able to label that, which means that you're able to live in alignment. And, and it's evident in the work that you've done and the work you're putting out into the world. But when you catch yourself getting a little bit out of alignment, how do you self-check and hold yourself accountable to mm-hmm to stay aligned and to remind yourself of the things that matter most, especially in the frantic, in this frantic, busy world. And we can get caught up in our own lives so much, but how do you hold yourself accountable to, to stay aligned? Yeah, it's, it's difficult, right? For the, all the reasons that you articulated, it's, it's often difficult because we're pulled in so many directions because um, I see the world shifting in many ways in in wonderful ways, in many ways in, not so wonderful ways we, we've become, we've, we're moving away from that, or it's easy to move away from that connectivity, from that feeling of um, collectiveness, you know, and it's very, and, and I believe very strongly in, in that uh, connectivity equals this con- collective-ness uh, uh, that we should all bring um, whenever we engage in the world. Um, but it, it, it's hard, right? Because there's all of these distractions. People are building our personal brands and, you know, we our opinions are suddenly amplified of importance because we have all of these platforms in which our opinions can be uh, heralded from the, from the tops of our soapboxes and we're all able to do that. And we all feel this draw towards, towards self-importance and it's very, very difficult. There's two things. Number one, I always feel when I talk about connectivity, I talk not just or I feel not just connected to others, but I feel connected to myself and I feel always connected to myself. And recently someone asked me, like, you know, how much time do you give yourself a day if you're super busy? Like I tell people to give them, you know, each other a few minutes a day or give themselves a few minutes a day to really stay centered and focused. And I say, you give yourself 24 hours a day. You always must stay centered and focused because you are connected to your source and you are connected to others. And so when you're veering off course, you know, you draw yourself back. When you're questioning, which I do a lot because of all of the things that we see in the world, I question all the time. I have these these big questions that I always want to answer. I'm a why person. I'm always like, why this? Why, 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 why? Um, Because those are where the answers are. I always need to find the source of the problem. And so when I think about that and I think about uh, all of the whys and sometimes it gets kind of like, it it becomes burdensome and there's a lot of noise and distraction. But if one remains connected to themselves as well as to one another, you're, you're drawn back the answer, the why answer becomes remember what you know, remember who you are, remember what your purpose is and being very values driven and purpose driven really, really brings you there. And then that other value that I talked about, that responsibility, that brings me back. I have a lot of responsibility, both in my professional life and in my value system. I feel a lot of personal responsibility to do the things that I do. And that brings me back. It reminds me not just my professional life, which brings me back, um, but that personal draw 
towards remaining, staying in the course, knowing there's more, knowing that evolution is, is possible um, for myself and for the world, knowing the impact of my contributions, knowing that when I stay the course, I make a difference, a, a difference they may not see or breathe or touch or feel, but it's there, it happens. And it, that's the case for all of us. And so those are the things that always bring me back to center when it's very easy to veer off course. Which is having crystallized core values. You know what they are and you return to them. And and that's obvious in your case. And that's what holds you accountable are those core values. And I want to pull on a quote from you that I listened to an interview. And, and I just want to ask you about this quote to kind of unpack it a little further before we jump into Pencils of Promise. But what you said, and you touched upon it already, but in the quote, you say every human being was born free. But we know for many people, there are barriers to freedom. I believe freedom involves processes that allow freedom of actions and decisions. I believe that access to opportunities is freedom as well, because it allows us to self-actualize. And that's what I want to double click on is this concept of Mm self-actualization. So can you unpack that a little further to us and speak more deeply about self-actualization so that the listeners can really learn to better understand it and to, to grapple with it in their own context? Yeah, it's I'm I'm so it's interesting to hear your own words back. <laughs> and self-actualization is something that I've been talking about for many, many years since you know I was in my 20s. I would talk to others about self-actualization. It was always very, very important to me. And I think that goes back to that gratitude, that recognition, those values that I talked about, um, that connection to myself, that understanding that life can be very difficult for many of us, um, for all of us. Um, but life also can be, life is what we have. That is what we perceive. That is what we, in many people believe is the gift that we've been, been given. And, and we don't know the, any other opportunities. This is our chance, right? This is what we perceive as our chance. This is our now. Um, and so for me, I believe that that we all have the opportunity or we should have the opportunity. We should fight for everyone to have the opportunity to optimize that life and existence and what we perceive to be our, our right now, um, when it is fraught and painful and challenging, that is a difficult thing. Uh, and, and, you know, back to those other values, that is a very difficult thing to reconcile because, you know, if we were born and we were born free and we were born um, equal, which I believe, then why doesn't it feel that way? Why is life challenging a lot of the times? Why is life very, very challenging for some of us much more than others? Um, and for me, we must be self-actualized and because it is the culmination of our life. It is what we are here presented on this earth to be. It is, we are to be optimized. We are to be fulfilled. We are to be all that we dream to be. Because if we can dream it, if we are given the ability to dream it, we must achieve the ability to receive it. And so it, self-actualization is not easy for everyone. For some of us, it is. And that is where inequality comes from. For some of us, you can self, you can wake up in the morning and decide I will be self-actualized for others. That is not possible. And I believe that for those that are able to self-actualize, which is our basic human right, because we were born into it, right? 
It is our basic human right. Otherwise, we go and get into bigger questions like then why, why, why do we exist? And so if we are, if some of us are able to self-actualize, then those are people are responsible to ensure that they do everything that they can to remove barriers in big and small ways. I don't, this doesn't have to be on the, on the big scale. It could be in many different ways. We are responsible to ensure that our brothers and sisters have that same opportunity to self-actualize. And so to me, what that just means is the fulfilling of your deepest purpose, the understanding of what that is, the opportunities to pursue what that means, and the ability to achieve those goals that we set for ourselves to make us feel whole and to make us feel one with our maker. And that's what I believe. It aligns a lot with what um, Stephen Kotler, I don't know if you've heard of Stephen Kotler, he's a best-selling author, he's written several books, The Rise of Superman, The Art of Impossible, and, and a lot of his work lies around this idea of having a massively transformational purpose in our life. Some people, you know, other researchers have called it a personal credo or um, personal philosophy statement, whatever it is, but it really is spending time to be able to articulate in as few words as possible what our massively transformational purpose is in order to stay aligned to that, right? And I think that's what you're describing. So you can dream it, but in dreaming it, we need to be able to articulate the legacy we want to leave behind, the purpose for living. So I think you've been able to articulate that so well in in your work and, and your vision. And if we were to segue into Pencils of Promise, how did you find one another? And, and it's obvious what drew you to the work based on everything that we've just talked about, but how did you find one another and, and what are you most proud of right now with, with your work with the organization? Yeah. Um, we found, a, we found one another serendipitously. That's yes. the word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was connected to uh, one of the, one of my current, current colleagues, my, my now colleagues who thought, oh, this might be something that you might be interested in doing. You know, you seem like us. We're very aligned. And, and by us, I mean the folks who um, are helping to facilitate the work that we do. And uh, my colleague thought, mm, interesting. We have similar philosophies. Maybe you might consider being a candidate for leadership in this role. And I was like, maybe. And so, <laughs> and long story short, here we are. And so I'm proud of so much, uh, not just in my work, but in the work of my colleagues and the work of this organization. Some of the highlights include uh, really being able to navigate through the last two years of COVID, which has been very impactful on education um, globally, uh, in particular in areas that are traditionally overlooked. Um, and so to see the team uh, really rally together um, to navigate some of those challenges and to innovate and to adapt and to continue to serve our children and our families um, and our communities and to continue to build schools and is just been and to continue to support one another uh, has been incredibly fulfilling. Also, the uh, our our group, our full group. So we have nearly two hundred team members um, in those countries in the U.S. and in those three countries, and our team is deeply connected to one another and our team really supports one another in our activities. We call ourselves a family um, and, and that translates differently in different parts of the world, but I think it suits us just right. 
uh, because we are a group of people that are all very service oriented that share many of the values that I I articulated earlier. And many of those values show up in our daily work because we understand that we are here in service uh, to others. We understand that we are here to remove barriers for others so that they are able to self-actualize as many of us are able to self-actualize. Our team members are 90% nationals based in country. Um, So they know firsthand the barriers um, that many of our students experience um, because they face them themselves. Uh, And so we, together we share that and together we come up with solutions um, with our external partners as well, who are, incredible supporters of our work and help us to navigate and and exist and be nimble and do the best that we can to deliver the highest quality of services. And together, we are a family and we are a broad global community. So I am proud of of both of those things and and many besides, (laughs) many others besides. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to read uh, your founding story on, on the website. And it says it began with a question. So this is Adam's story, right? But it began with a question, a young boy on the streets of India, uh, what do you want the most in the world? A pencil, he replied. I reached into my backpack, and I is Adam, right? Reached into my backpack, handed him a pencil, and watched as a wave of possibility washed over him. So that's how it started. And if I just scroll a little bit down... It says, since starting with just a $25 deposit, we have now built more than 550 schools, serving, uh, Kylie, more than 120,000 students, roughly? Uh, on nearly 200,000 students. Wow. So and sm- more besides, if you count our teachers, we, we've actually impacted nearly 900,000 people. Um, when you think about our teachers and our full communities, because our services impact not only our students um, because they're school-based, but they extend to their parents, their siblings, and their entire communities by design. Yeah. And for the listeners out there, um, what do you want them to know about how they can get involved? Like anybody wanting to be involved, if they're a school leader listening to this or a teacher, uh, a parent, whatever, what do they need to know about being involved? A couple things. So first, there's always, I, I'm, I'm very proud of our ability to tell our story. I'm very proud of our ability to connect people to our communities and to our students. Um, even if they can't be there in person, they are able to uh, feel that connection and understand because what we do is is very easily understandable. Children are students, to, uh, parents are parents. You know, this, this exists everywhere. And so people are able to really understand the work that we do very easily. So First and foremost, I always send people to our website, which is pencilspromise.org, to get, and, and to our social media at Pencils of Promise um, to, to hear some of those stories, to experience um, some of the work that we do and some of what we are um, able to support in the countries that we are in. Also, people can become advocates uh, for the work that we do. I think it's really important, as I said, for us as human beings to remember our connection to one another and to understand that not everyone has things as easily as others. And if mm-hmm. perhaps we deeply understood and connected with that, we'd feel more of a 
of, of a desire to reach out to, to others. And so really understanding some of the barriers that some students and some teachers and some parents and some communities face around the world um, and becoming deeply connected to that, which allows us to confront our own privilege and allows us to understand how we then can, can be supportive is something else um, that I think is really important. Also, once folks visit our website and understand more deeply what we do, there may be a desire to help support our work. Um, there are many ways that people can support our work. Schools come together and crowdsource to help build schools. Um, families come together to build schools. It is an incredibly transformational, impactful moment to be able to know that you've been able to have this deep of an impact in a community outside of your own um, for people that you don't know or that you haven't seen, but you feel connected to because you understand why and how transformational it will be in their own lives. Um, uh, people are able to support teachers and um, support resources like textbooks and e-readers and things of that nature. So there are many ways that people um, are able to engage. Um, I, I mentioned uh, before we started uh, that we recently launched a short film um, mm -hmm. called I Promise You, um, which is a short film about our work. Um, it tells stories from our students' voices and from our teachers. Oh, and from our leaders, um, uh, they talk about the barriers uh, to education that people may not think about, like our barriers to infrastructure, our barriers um, uh, to hygienic services that keep children or hygiene, um, uh, education and services, um, because children catch easily communicable diseases that keep them out of school. We talk about our impact um, and our focus and emphasis on women and girls. And so people can really understand firsthand and see their own experience is mirrored in the eyes and in the hearts and in the voices of our communities and our children. Um, and so again, visiting our website will direct people there. So there are countless ways for people to get engaged, involved, aware, become advocates um, for children, families, and communities everywhere. So as I said, I'm going to have my listeners uh, donate to the cause and, and I'll share the video with them. But where can they find the video? I, I saw it, I think, on the website and I, I couldn't access it. Is there another place where we can access it? Um, you should be able to. So we are in partnership with a, a organization called Kinema, which, which hosts our screenings. Um, and we'll be doing that uh, for the uh, throughout the course of this month. Um, and so in, when you go on the website, you're able to schedule a screening at okay. your leisure. So okay. you just have to, it just says something like, schedule screening and then you okay. click that and it'll take you to kinema and it's it's a very wonderfully dynamic way to watch the film um and it also gives you subtitles you can choose six different languages as i know that you're based all over the world um or you have connections all over the world mm -hmm. and so people will really be able to um engage in it that way so that's the way you would watch the film okay great so i i hope that uh my listeners access the video for sure to learn more and i'll have a lot of information in the show notes but in moving towards the, the end of the conversation, we've heard about your career, you know, your journey. We've heard about the work you're doing with Pencils of Promise. And when you think of life being full of big questions, what are some big questions that you, you are still exploring and trying to better understand, either personally or professionally connected to your work, whatever it is, but what are some of those questions? Yeah, I, I, I asked my team 
these questions all the time. So I'm just like, ugh, sometimes I have these days. <laughs> um, and, and as I said, I'm a why person. I'm the person who just pulls the yarn. Like I just, I, 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 the yarn doesn't matter. Like what's, what's holding it all together. What, what is, what is that thing? What is behind the wall? What, what, what can I, I'm not going to tinker. I need to get to the source. And so I, my questions are huge, <laughs> unanswerable. Um, why questions? I want to know um, why I see so much in the world. I've traveled all over the world. I've been to 14 different countries. I've worked in, I've worked with the most, the wealthiest people. Um, I've worked with um, some of our world's most marginalized. And I know the truth. The truth is that um, it's not really a meritocracy. People were born randomly. <laughs> no one deserves the position they're, they're in. Um it, wealth or not wealth or, you know, privilege or, uh, or marginalized, like no one deserves it. It just happens. And I want to know why, like, I want to know why. And I, and I, I, I answer these questions slowly, but surely when I get to know more because I ask and I don't just ask, I seek answers. And so I learn more and more and more about the answers to these questions. I understand the way our society was built. I understand that what I just described, this world in which some experience great wealth and great privilege and others uh, experience the extreme opposite of that. I know that that is by and large by human design. And when I realize that, when I, the more I see that, I see it everywhere. I see inequality everywhere. I see inequality propped up everywhere. Mm -hmm. And when I see that, I ask myself more questions about why. And then I ask myself, how? How do we change this? How do we create what, what truly is our, is our birthright, is the way that we were born, which is honoring the fact that randomly we were positioned in these places but truthfully, we all have gifts. We all have mm. talent. We all want to achieve things. We all want to be self-actualized. None of that is different. It is our environment that is different. And that environment is man-made. So my questions go from why, and then I do the deep dive to how. How do we create the equality that we were born into or that we should have, we should be born into. Um, how do we, how do we foster freedom for all? And what can we do to answer the how and, and, and the whys? And so those are these really big questions that I ask myself of what fuels my work. It, it what fuels my value system. It what gets me up in the morning. It's what keeps me up in the nighttime. Um, it's what allows me to engage with different types of people and have fearless conversations because I, why should I feel fear? I represent us all. And so it is those things that I ask myself over and over and over again. And I, I, I get some answers. I'll never get all of the answers, but I feel comforted by having some of those answers by knowing a little bit what and knowing a little bit how and a little mm -hmm. bit why so that I can create my own path towards addressing all of those things so that I can inspire, I can inspire others to carve their paths to address those things and ask those same questions so that collectively we'll have more answers and we'll do more things. So those are my questions. I love that. And you know, there's a quote that is my go-to quote. You know, I obviously 
love quotes and um, a lot of people do. And I put them up on my office space back home. And the one quote is from a Canadian psychologist, Dr. Gabor Mate, who's done a load of work around helping people through, you know, addiction and mental health issues. And the quote is the attempt to escape pain is what causes more of it. And for me, I, I lost two brothers, one to suicide, one to drug addiction. And I found sport, you know, so that gave me a very specific purpose in my life. And then that led to teaching and coaching and finding purpose through the world of education. But it's this idea of when I did it, my own deep dive into my past and kind of the dysfunction and how I was impacted by the dysfunction, it was easy for me when there was any injustice in my life to uh, feel like a victim of my past and to be trapped by my past. And although I worked really hard to overcome the dysfunctional past, it always, it was like either I was pushing a, a, a big boulder up a hill or pulling a boulder behind me. There was always this weight and it was, I was almost killed in an, in an accident in Cambodia. Uh, my, my ulnar artery was severed and luckily I survived. But what that did was allow me to understand that I was being looked after. I became very spiritual after that. And I felt that right. the universe kind of came together to protect me in that moment. And that's when I started to really explore this idea of post-traumatic growth. Mm. And, you know, we talk about post-traumatic stress disorder that so many people go through based on really shitty past experiences. But there is this idea of post-traumatic growth and that we become, you talk about self-actualized, like we can become self-actualized when we tap into the gifts we've been given and the strengths and we begin to scan for evidence of our life, yes. of of those good things rather than looking at what has not worked yes. look at what's worked and and that's rooted in the evidence around positive psychology dr martin mm -hmm. seligman and instead of looking at why your life is so screwed up and everything you've gone through look at what you've been through and you're still standing mm. you know, so that has really so guided yeah that has really guided my life and shaped the work that i now do and when i work with people that are going through mental health issues, we do this scan of evidence for good, being a researcher of good. And I think you've been able to do that in your life so well is to look at your gifts and, and the talents and, and to want to create the conditions for others to thrive and flourish in their life. So that is a, the ultimate act of service to the world. So I, I really commend you deeply uh, for the work that you do. Thank you. And that was an incredibly powerful message. And um, it, it really resonates with me because when I think about all of the people all around the world that I've met that have been so overlooked and consistently marginalized and consistently ravaged by what the world has presented them and their very existence is a challenge, but they're still here, but they still thrive. They still find happiness it's exactly what you talk about. And it, it becomes, again, that feeling of responsibility to myself mm. because of everything that you just said to really understand what my blessings have been. Why am I still here? How am I still here? What am I doing with that? How am I showing that gratitude? And what can I do for those people who have even bigger challenges and hurdles who are still here? 
mm-hmm. still seek happiness and joy and back to that collective spirit of humanity. Imagine a world where we can do that for each other, where we can value each other for who we are, um, where, where we can see each other's gifts and treat each other as gifts, as vessels of talent and love and joy and survival and thriving, um, how we can give each other what we need when we need it. Sometimes we need comfort. Sometimes we need to be held. Sometimes we need to be heard. Sometimes we need barriers and obstacles removed for us, but we always need love and imagine a world in which we felt about ourselves and about each other, the way that you just described. And that is the world I want to create or help create. And that's the world because that is the world I want to live in. And that's where we will truly be free to thrive. Um, So thank you for that message. I will remember it (laughs) and it will fuel me as well. Yeah. Thank you. And I think of uh, Jim Carrey, he's got a great quote about the effect that we have on others is the most valuable currency there is. And it's so true. And it's a reminder about um, showing up as our best selves every day. And if we're not our best self, you know, drop the self-judgment and the self-critique and the criticism and, and just learn from it. And what do I need to, to do tomorrow to, to show up as the best version of myself? And that's all we can do. Right. So, um, Kylie, if, if you were to think, you know, the last question, if you were to look back, if we were to project 30, 40 years forward and you were to look back on your life, I know this sounds a little bit morbid, but it's not meant to be. (laughs) Um, but what words would be on your tombstone that best represent the legacy that you hope to have left behind in the world? Oh, wow. (laughs) A very interesting question. I think about, I often have this conversation about legacy and about what I want to leave behind. And I hope that when people think of me, they remember that I lived every day. So she lived is what I would want to see on my tombstone, ironically, because I want my life to represent my legacy. I want my every day to represent leaving a bit of myself with a person who will carry it and take that forward so that I don't wait 30 or 40 years to look back and to reminisce and to see, you know, the, um, the real of my life and for others to see the real of my life. I want to leave that imprint and impact every single day because my legacy is created from the moment I was born. And so it is for each of us to grasp and to hold and to work or to uh, build on a daily basis. And something that you said that Jim Carrey said uh, was to show up as your best self. I, I encourage your listeners and everyone to really define what your best self means mm-hmm. um, because that can mean many different things on many different days. It can mean many different things to us as individuals. It can mean many different things to uh, us in how we show up in the world, how we show up in our homes, how we show up to ourselves. So spend some time understanding what does mm-hmm. it mean to be my best self. Maybe today that means getting out of bed is my best self. Yeah. Maybe today that means putting on, I don't know, lipstick. <laughs> maybe that means transforming the world. Maybe that means a lot of different, maybe that means hugging another person or seeing another person. So number one, she lived. 
<laughs> um, number two, build your legacy every day. And number three, define what your best self means. And it's so worth it to do the internal work needed to figure that out. And that's where a lot of people skip through life. And it's not that um, they don't want to learn about themselves, but it takes work and there's going to be stuff revealed that you might not like in the process, but that's all part of the journey. As you say, the process of, of learning and it's the way you free yourself ultimately. So uh, I really thank you for your time. Where can people find you on social media? I know you're on Twitter. I followed you a couple of weeks ago when we set this up, but um, oh, yeah. I saw that. Yes. <laughs> where, where, where are you on? I am at Kylie Scales, K-A-I-L-E-E-S-C-A-L-E-S. And I am on Twitter and Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, all those special places. Um, I, you can go to KylieScales.com. You can find me at Pencils of Promise. Um, I'm in all the spaces and all the places. <laughs> Great. I, I would encourage any educational leaders listening to this. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, conferences around the world and they bring in keynote speakers. So I would highly recommend they get in touch with you to uh, share your story and the work that you're doing with um, Pencils of Promise. So uh, it was a great conversation and I, I really appreciate your time and energy and it would be lovely to meet you one day in person. That would be lovely. Uh, either I'll come to you or you'll come to me. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, best of luck with everything. I'm just going to close off the show and then I'll say goodbye to you. So, everybody, thank you very much for listening to this episode with Kylie Scales. And I hope you come back to listen to future episodes.